Morning, friends. Today's reading is from Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and melodious song. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord, our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. Good morning. As we uh, finish up our series on Sing for Joy, it is a privilege uh, to unpack this passage and sing, uh, speak to this uh, great song, um, Joy to the World. But uh, let me first kind of just open some thoughts here, uh, because when we finish the year, we often look for ways to celebrate. Uh, we look for ways of either finishing the year well or, or kind of just mark the moment that we have made it through the year, and often New Year's Eve is particularly about that. For the last six months, uh, Callum and I, my oldest, were looking forward to hiking in Kosciuszko to celebrate him finishing year six. Uh, this was the forecast uh, that we had the day before. It looked it said Kosciuszko, uh, this is my City Boy app, by the way, uh, and uh, it said it was going to be 28 degrees, uh, you know, no chance of rain, uh, maybe a thunderstorm, but no rain, uh, and, and some mild wind. We thought, that's you know, pretty good. Uh, that was cause for great joy as we packed pretty lightly uh, and, uh, and set off on our way. But uh, just beforehand, we thought, oh, like I, was a, I was a Boy Scout once upon a time. I was, I'll just check in with the, the National Park office that was just across from where we were staying. And uh, we asked about you know, some of the details, and she's like, do you really want to go tomorrow? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, have you seen the forecast? I was like, yeah, look at my app. It's great. Uh, she pointed me towards the reality that was a bit more like this. That was uh, not quite what we were expecting. Uh, it was nearly white out the whole way up, uh, gusting winds of up to 70 k's an hour. And, uh, you know, for most of the walk, uh, there we were kind of leaning in to the wind, trying to make our way up step by step. And surprisingly, not many people on the trail. <laughs> it was hardly a joyful walk at one level, and yet it was thoroughly joyful because there we were out in God's wonderful creation. We were certainly experiencing the awesomeness of our awesome God and all His power. Uh, and ultimately, we conquered the mountain. We got to the very top and uh, you know, it was even more windy than that. Uh, and uh, we were up there for like, I don't know, all of 15 seconds because <laughs> we couldn't see anything. It wasn't very nice, but we made it. Uh, but we got what we were ultimately looking for, really. And that was making memories together. And as Callum gripped my arm as we battled the wind all the way up, I couldn't help but feel a great sense of joy of being there for him and helping him take each step. We're going to find in our joy-filled hymn and psalm these same themes of creation, 
of victory and above all being united with our Father as the cause for great joy to all nations. But first of all, given we're going to be talking a lot about joy, what is it? What is joy? It's one of those words that we're like, we know what it is, but it's pretty hard to put in words. The Bible gives all kinds of descriptions of causes for joy. Uh, It could be, for example, from Proverbs, um, the joy of friendship. Or from Philippians, speaks of the joy that comes from unity. Or we see throughout the Old Testament the joy of giving birth to children. Or even in Psalms, that refers to the gladness of heart that comes from wine. And yet, in each of these, we know the heartache and lack of joy that comes from the opposite or abuse of these things. When friendships turn sour where there is disunity, uh, or through the inability to have children, or when children turn away from us, or when a little cheer from a glass of wine becomes alcohol abuse, and the cascading effects of that are far from joy. And yet when we sing joy to the world, we are joining with the angels in making a global announcement when they said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. This good news of Jesus that brings joy goes beyond the examples of joy from everyday life, from human experience. We are brought into something more profound, a deeper reality, a greater glory. And so I've had a crack at putting a bit of a definition around joy to help us think about these things. And it's like this. Joy is that feeling and attitude that we experience and long for as we continue to place all things into the care of the God who is with us and able to work in and through all things. Now, I'm trying to capture in there a whole bunch of things. Uh, One is that it is a feeling. I'm not going to be sort of subscribing to this kind of like, it's it's so deep, it's beyond feelings. No, we do feel joy, right? But it's also a way of being, an attitude, something that we actually apply and, and cultivate. It's something we experience, but it's fleeting at times and we long for it. But for those in the room who kind of, you know, have some English astuteness, you'll notice what I've done with this definition. I've not really defined it at all. (laughs) It's more of a description. Uh, Even the great wordsmith uh, and apologist uh, C.S. Lewis, when he tried to define joy, also struggled with the same thing. This is his definition of joy. An unsatisfied desire which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. I mean, <laughs> I, I get it. He's, he's kind of trying to ex- expose here that, that, that joy is, is kind of, it, it longs for something even more. Like, it, it's, it's, it, there is an unsatisfaction in joy. We want more of it. But as we pursue that, that in of itself is greater than every other desire we've experienced. There is something deeply satisfying in, in, our, in being human to experience joy and long for it all the more. But we're going to run with this definition or this description of joy and kind of just modify it a bit as we go through that we might unpack what it means to find joy, not just in this merry season, but in every season. And we're going to use Psalm 98 as the backbone of that and be referring to, the, uh, to uh, joy to the world throughout, which puts much of this uh, to such poetic, uh, songful joy. So let us begin. Uh, This is where I'm going to go as we unpack Psalm 98. First of all, I want us to see how marvellous God is and how that causes great joy for us. I want us to join with all creation, with all people and all of nature. 
And thirdly, I want us to find the ultimate gift of joy in Jesus. And so let's begin. Firstly, our marvelous God. The first thing we see in both Psalm and our carol is the bursting out of song and joy to the Lord, for He has done wonderful, marvelous things. Do keep Psalm 98 open if you can, uh, in your app or in your paper Bible. Uh, And it begins with, sing a new song to the Lord, for He has performed wonders. When someone has done something wonderful, what do we usually do? We usually kind of you know, applaud them or, or kind of congratulate them or, or clap them. It's a way of showing appreciation. And if we're remotely interested in that person that we're appreciating, it even comes with a smile, that their joy becomes our joy. Uh, when someone does something great, we are joyful and offer up joyful appreciation. And Psalm 47, similar to our psalm this morning, says just this, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to joy with loud songs of joy. Why are we to sing a new song? Why are we to clap hands? Because the Lord has done marvellous things. He has performed wonders. And there's a few then descriptions that the psalmist gives us. Firstly, his right hand and holy arm have won him victory. So the first reason we are to sing a new song, to be joyful, is because the Lord has made his victory known. His strong holy arm has won the victor. This is what God's done for us. Each kind of verse that we sort of step into from here will go one step deeper. But the first one is that what we can see what He has done. What kind of victory? Well, we can read uh, in Deuteronomy how the strong arm of the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt uh, and delivered them from, from their oppressors, the Egyptians. And the Israelites that are constant, the Israelites are constantly to a recount this story to remind them that God is powerful and even when they feel like He is distant, remember what He has done for them and is actually continuing to do for them and that's to cause them great joy. Uh, We can look at how, um, uh, let's look at Isaiah 52, I didn't write this one out but we can quickly find it, Isaiah, the wrong way of course, so Isaiah 52 verse 10, here we go, The Lord has displayed His holy arm in the sight of all the nations, all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And so there's not only a looking back, but a looking forward to when all will see the the holy arm, the power of the Lord, the victory of the Lord, the salvation of our God. Here is a God who brings people to Himself and saves them. Let us see what He has done, let us long for what He is doing. And as we sing in Joy to the World, the line goes, He has been able to reverse curses to blessings. There is a great victory in Jesus who, who gives us the victor, victory, uh, not just over battles, not just over uh, kind of you know, a, a redemption of the past, but in salvation, in bringing us to God because of what Jesus has done. The Lord has made His victory known. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of all nations. That's how the Psalm 98 describes it. But as we look at kind of what He has done and now move towards what He has done, has revealed His righteousness, we, we actually see here His character. And it's not just what He's done, it's actually who He is. His character revealed in action. 
Uh, He wins in a way that is seen as righteous. He makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness, we sing. That's incredible. It's actually a really well put line. He makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. That is, as we look at what He's done, all people will say, He is righteous. He is right to do it like this. He wins in a way that is right and good. It's not a dirty win. For example, one of my boys asked me last night, is sabotage okay? I was like, this is like a loaded question, what are you asking that for? Uh, That night he had won, getting ready in time because he'd hid his brother's clothes from him to stop him getting ready. That's a dirty win. Uh, What we see in the victory of, uh, of our Lord is a righteous win and all nations will be able to see it and we see his good and righteous character. And when you find someone of good character, does it not draw you in? Does, is it not cause for, for great joy to be part of their, their kind of journey, their victories, and being close to them? But then in the third verse, we go deeper again. So we've seen what He has done, we've seen His character, and now we see His heart. He has remembered His love, the psalmist says, and faithfulness to the house of Israel. His acts towards them are not just random acts of kindness, No, He has set His love upon them because of His love for them. He has been faithful to them even when they are not faithful. Why? Well, it's certainly not because of anything about them and what they've done. In fact, He's done that despite of what they've done. It's because of who He is. His faithfulness remains, His love remains because that is who God is. And when we see His heart, it is cause for great joy. We rejoice because we have seen God's salvation. And so much more than the psalmist. For we have seen victory over sin and death. We have seen the character of the Lord Jesus as we read the Gospels. And we have seen the heart of our God in the Lord Jesus who took on the cross for us. And as Joy to the World puts it, no more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. Joy is that feeling and attitude that we experience and long for as we continue to place all things into the care of God who has done and continues to do marvellous things. And your life is a witness to what God has done and is doing And we long for all people to find the same joy we have found as we proclaim the wonders of what He's done and who He is. The result of that is extraordinary and far-reaching. As we look at the next part of the psalm, uh, we are invited to join with all creation. And so the psalmist says, let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. Now, firstly, we see people rejoicing, and we see it described like this, sing to the Lord with the lyre, uh, with the lyre and melodious song. Uh, Anyone know what the lyre is? It's kind of like a little harpy thing. Um, You can buy them on Amazon. Um, Maybe maybe we could have a little bit more joy in the congregation with some more lyres, I don't know. Um, With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. You know, the ram's horn was typically used to kind of sound victory or to kind of make a a good news announcement, a, a, a proclamation, a gospel Shout triumphantly, 
in the presence of the Lord our King. Here is a picture of great celebration. Uh, you might think of examples in the Old Testament where, uh, where King David uh, w- would come back after, after victory or even in the particular case where the Ark of the Covenant was brought back after a long time of it missing. And that was cause of great joy. We read in 2 Samuel about tens of thousands gathering. Uh, David was, was dancing and the crowd was dancing and leaping with all their might celebrating before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, I'm not sure what that is, and cymbals. It's certainly a picture of great joy, of jubilance, of triumph. When we sing at church, uh, we don't sing just because it's on the run sheet. We don't sing because it's like a padding space while people still waltz into church a bit late, right? No, no, we sing, that's a bit close to the bone, Um, we sing... We sing because we have cause to sing. We sing because we're, we're, we're kind of taking, we're, we're leaving behind the baggages that are holding us back and, and, and we're giving ourselves to, remember it's an attitude as well, Joy, we're giving ourselves to God and acknowledging that He is the cause of our deepest joy. Even while circumstances might be hard for us. That's the thing, Christian joy is able to find joy even when times are tough, because God is with us. And so the carol goes, let earth receive her King, let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing. (laughs) It's not just us dancing around, singing around, it's heaven and it's nature singing Verse 7, let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. There is this kind of this, this, this resonance, this, this harmony, uh, not just in people, but in all things, all creation. Let the rivers clap their hands. What a picture. Let the mountains shout together for joy. It is a picture of all creation praising our Creator. Remember at the first week of Vision Month, we looked at the glory of God and the word glory meaning kind of, t- of, of weight, uh, you know, and that being sort of like I use that analogy of, of, of great solar masses at the center of kind of galaxies with things swirling around it. The glory of God is of such weight that all creation, the whole cosmos, everything is centered at, is spinning around, is pointed towards God because He is Almighty Creator. And here is a picture of all things in harmony, singing the praises of God, the rivers clapping, the mountains shouting. It's an invitation to you to be part of all of creation, singing the praises of God. As, um, as Callum and I climbed Kosciuszko in whiteout conditions, gusting winds, the wind would occasionally open up the valley for a view, just for a couple of seconds, and then the clouds would kind of wisp that vision away. Or or sometimes it would kind of reveal a kind of a a mountainous wall that was ahead of us, just like a snippet of of Mount Kosciuszko and kind of the mount before it. And it would just be kind of awe-inspiring. We'd be sort of shocked by this vision, and then it would disappear again. It It was wonderful. It was kind of like that the valley was just was singing in, in bursts and we were impacted by the vision of it. 
But, uh, you know, as the wind often has a way of doing, and I said to Callum on the way up, the thing with wind is that means that everything is going to change. Nothing stays the same when it's windy like that. And on the way down from the summit, from that wide-out kind of view, we saw this. All of creation. It was just like, oh my goodness. Like, it was, it was literally like the clouds just kind of just whisked off. And when they did, it revealed this. Wow, our God is amazing, isn't He? It was a performance. It arrested our hearts to see the rivers, the snowy river, and the mountains sing of God's praise. It is a good thing to be in nature, to ground ourselves, to get some perspective, but I'm not some kind of like naturalist or humanist that just finds good feelings in the woods. No. It is an invitation to join the choir of the sky, of nature itself, praising the Creator. I don't want to miss out on an invitation. Hey, if the rivers are going to clap and the, and the hills are going to shout for joy, I want to be part of that. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. And as we continue to look at what it means for us, joy is that feeling and attitude that we experience and long for as we continue to place all things into the care of the God who created and sustained all things. That is the reason for our joy. And yet, sometimes we don't feel this invitation and the imperative to rejoice kind of feels like a burden sometimes. Nothing like, you know, come to church and be joyful when all you feel is lament or hardship. In fact, it's an act of faith to come to church in those moments and if that's you here this morning, thank you for coming. The marvellous things of God can sometimes even feel external to us, like God is over there doing His marvellous things and here I am in the dark. There are all kinds of things that thieve our joy, stress, comparison, relational breakdown, suffering. In fact, ultimately, whenever our circumstances outweigh our hope that God is able to work in them and through them, there are a billion things that can steal our joy but only one source from which we can receive it. When the angels declared, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. It is both a global announcement to all people and it's a personal gift and claim. A Saviour has been born to you. Let every heart prepare Him room. What a wonderful phrase. Let us prepare Him room that He might do a marvellous work in us, even if we feel not joyful. But the real twist in the psalm here, and indeed what is the surprise of joy, is the root cause of people and creation singing God's praise. I'm not sure if you caught it. It's the last verse. That little four... Before the Lord were to shout together for joy, for what? For He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. That's a bit of a surprise. Of all the reasons we could have for joy, judgment, it's not really there, is it? Judgment carries with it 
kind of the, the sense of fear, that, that, that all things will be revealed, that our deepest secrets, the things of our heart will be laid out before the Lord. You know, the whole naughty and nice list and, you know, have my good deeds outweighed the bad, uh, that, is, that is kind of an oppressive kind of thing to try and work out and navigate. I'm not feeling joyful when I hear the Lord is coming to judge. And yet, the psalmist is saying exactly that. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains shout for joy. Let all of creation and all people in it sing for joy, for He is coming to judge. But as we zoom out from our sort of initial existential crisis, there is a sense of judgment that we really do crave. As God judges the world righteously, He will liberate us into the revelation of what is wrong and correct it. Fractured relationships can escape the web of deceit, built up frustration and reveal truth. People will be judged fairly. Where there is famine, that will be reversed and there will be food. Where there is suffering, He will wipe away every tear and the cause for it. This judgment comes with a justice that corrects and God will be revealed in His righteousness and the nations will prove His righteousness. They will say, yes, He is good. His judgment is fair. Imagine being able to say that, even as that judgment is cast upon you. Yep, it's fair. It's good. He rules the world with truth and grace and make the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. And all of this is poured out into a manger 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem perfectly revealed in a baby born in whom we celebrate at Christmas, the one who will judge, the one who is able to empathize with us in our weakness because He has taken on flesh. His fairness will come from His understanding, from His wisdom, from eternity past and from His experience as being one of us. But His righteousness and holiness will also be perfect. And His love and His holiness... His perfection and His grace will culminate in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before Him, for the joy set before the Lord Jesus, He endured the cross. <laughs> the joy of the Son of God was found in His death for you. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He endured the cross taking on the judgment of God in our place for the joy of seeing you restored. For the joy of seeing you perfected. For the joy of seeing you transformed into glory. It is a gift for you. This source of joy is a gift and it is for you from the God of the universe. And when received with faith we are brought into something altogether marvellous and wonderful. The Lord Jesus Himself said in John 15, as, as we are brought into and remain in the Father's love, He said this, I have told you these things, that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. He wants to give you the joy that He has with the Father and gift to you, that you might receive it with faith, that you might believe that God is at work in you and it might fill you to overflowing. 
And so we really do believe this. Joy is that feeling and that attitude that we experience and long for as we continue to place all things into the care of the God who is with us and able to work in and through all things. Whatever reason you have that is thieving your joy today, will you place it before the Lord? Whatever joy you do have because of circumstances around you, would you place that before the Lord? For through the cross, in truth and grace, the glories of His righteousness and the wonders of His love is being revealed in you. I want you to experience this in every season. Even times of great adversity. As Callum and I set up that mountain, there were adversities. In fact, I kind of joked with someone a couple of days before, I hope there's kind of some, some challenges to overcome in this formational experience. God said, gotcha. In every season, even in adversity, will we be, will we be a people of joy? In Acts 13, just as things are really kind of heating up, uh, at the end of that chapter, uh, the Jews had stirred up persecution against Paul and, and the believers. And just a couple of verses after that, that statement that there'd been persecution stirred up against them, this is what we read, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Will we be that people? That whatever our circumstances, we will be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit and so, for instance, when friendships fail, there is still joy because Jesus is a friend like no other and He has wisdom for us and He helps us forgive that we might rebuild. When there are burdens that heavily press upon us, stealing our joy, there is still joy because Jesus is the one who promises to give us rest for our souls. Even when there is death, there is still joy because we are more than conquerors, as Romans 12 says. Not even death can separate us from the love of Christ. There is nothing, nothing that can steal our joy because of who Jesus is and what He has done for us. And so I say, sing a new song to the Lord, for He has performed wonders. And may your heart prepare Him room to fill you with joy this Christmas and in every season until we see Him face to face. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite Nat up to share how she first received this joy and how the song Joy to the World was part of that. Brothers and sisters, continue to receive this gift that we might cultivate a real joy in all seasons. Let me pray. Father, we have seen in this psalm so many reasons to sing to you, to find joy in you, for you have performed great wonders through history, and most importantly, in your Son, the Lord Jesus, who has gifted us new life and joy and peace and every fruit of the Spirit. May we join with all of creation, now and forever, singing your praises. Father, help us to identify what is thieving our joy, especially around the pressures of this time of year, that we might not be caught up in the web of that but come back to the simplicity of receiving this gift by faith that you might do a great work in us and bring forth joy for all to see. To your glory we pray. Amen.